Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, September the 11th. I'm broadcasting from Cairns off the the back of a very successful amateurs carnival, which was concluded yesterday. Ben Dorries is in the Ann Street studio. Ben, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, David. I love the racing yesterday, particularly that really stirring finish uh, to the Group 1 in Melbourne on Thunderstruck running down Alligator Blood. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and a real scene setter for the spring. It certainly was. We'll be looking at Flemington a little later. A good meeting, of course, at Rose Hill, the run to the Rose, the traditional lead-up or the dress rehearsal, you might say, for the Golden Rose in two weeks' time. And, of course, we had good racing at Doomman yesterday as well. And, as we said, the the Amateurs Carnival, the 64th running with the Amateurs Cup yesterday, won by a former South Australian galloper called Star Status. We'll have a listen to that broadcast a little later. Of course, Archer Park Racing bring you past the post. Go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. All the news, and they're in form. That's an understatement. They've had nine winners in the past two months, so it's been a great start to the season for the Blue and White Stars. Let's get into action, and let's go firstly to Rose Hill Gardens. We were just talking about the run of the Rose. It was the feature race of the day, and in secret, the Godolphin filly was the favourite at $3.20. And best of Bordeaux, after the good start today, spins the corner in front from Swiss Exile. The Tuno needs a bit of room. Sweet Right moves up the outside. Three lengths away to the favourite in secret. It's best of Bordeaux under siege. Best of Bordeaux just in front from Sweet Ride. The Tuno is coming off the fence. In secret's winding up now. Best of Bordeaux coming back on Sweet Ride. In secret's lengthening the outside. In secret right over the top. Power's clear. And a great win in the run to the Rose. In secret ran down. Best of Bordeaux and Sweet Ride, followed by Natuno, Fireburn warming up at the end, then came Promito, further back to Sajardin from Political Debate and Swiss Exile. Well, if you're on in secret, it was a good ride in running, wasn't it? She she travelled perfectly in clear air for Tommy Berry, had her presented at the right time, and there was a lot to like about her work as She dashed her way to win by almost two legs. She was well back, 390 down to 320. Cox representing Godolphin is always... Uh, uh, kind with his time on Past the Post and other programs. He joins us as our first guest this morning. Vin, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And this was uh, an ideal stepping stone to a, to a big race in two weeks' time. And you could argue the fact that she could very well be unbeaten. She's only been beaten once and didn't have a lot of luck that day in the Silver Shadow. No, that's right, David. And uh, we had the zig uh, when we would probably rather have zagged last week in in, um, in missing that race on the bog track at Randwick. Um, but as it turned out, it's worked out quite well for us. And uh, you know, we took you know, a big step with her. It was a, a huge step up in grade to take on the leading two-year-olds of the previous season and the leading three-year-olds going into the Golden Rose. Um, but it paid off handsomely. So uh, we're delighted, uh, clearly, and um, look forward to the Golden Rose in a couple of weeks' time. She was backed as though she was almost unbeatable yesterday, Vin. Um, did you share that confidence going into the race? Oh, look, I'm never confident, Ben. <laughs> I'm always hopeful. Uh, but, yeah, clearly the market identified her. And, um, yeah, she was she was really hammered down, which which did surprise us. We, we, we obviously, we work quite closely with Dominic Byrne and um, he had a you know around six to one five to one uh, in the market so when she got down as short as she did it was, was quite a surprise for, for James and I we were both at Flemington and uh, watching that occur was uh, was quite interesting but um, you know clearly the punters got it right and she was she was very dominant in the end and she she sub wanted an exclusive club for Godolphin because this was actually a purchase by by Godolphin wasn't it Correct. Um, she, we bought her at the Magic Millions a couple of years ago. For we paid a lot of money for her at the time, which was nine hundred thousand. And Kelly Schweder, uh, <laughs> good morning, Kelly. Uh, he was the underbidder on her, and um, I got sell for him. But uh, fortunately, we own her. And uh, if if Kelly had a bid one more time, he, he'd be training her and not us. But um, but look, she, yeah, we purchased her at Magic Millions nine hundred thousand. Uh, she's by I'm Invincible out of a very good race mare in, in eloping. Uh, funnily enough, she was the only yearling we did purchase that year, so uh, so it's worked out well for us. It was an amazing sort of 35, 40 minutes for you, wasn't it? I mean, this um, this girl's win came uh, after Golden Mile, just, you know, slayed them really in the Ming Dynasty. Um, I noted with interest, James said, after the race, you're probably not going to try and keep these two three-year-olds apart. They'll most likely both go to the Golden Rose. Is, is that still sort of stand this morning? 
that's the plan. We have, I've had a chat this morning, but we'll have a usual racing meeting tomorrow and have a bit of a chat about it. So we'll have those two, plus we'll have Dormier in the race from the Anthony and Sam Friedman yard, um, last year's Blue Diamond winner. So potentially we could have three in it, two Colts and a filly. Um, but uh, it's a Group 1 race, and uh, that's what we're about, trying to trying to win Group 1s. And if we've got a strong hand and one's got to beat the other, well, so be it. But uh, we'll decide that as, as we get closer to the time. Yeah, in secrets, $4.50 for the Golden Rose on tab fixed and Golden Mile is $6. And, gee, you're really in the box seat, aren't you? Because they're both in form and they've both got those those racing patterns where they can just, you know, settle midfield maybe a touch better and then hit the line powerfully. So they sort of have similar profiles and, gee, you'd be happy to have either if not both in the race in two weeks' time. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful position to be in, David, and uh, they're obviously clearly two very nice horses and uh, well found in the market now, uh, but, you know, two weeks is a long time and uh, hopefully, you know, they, they get there in good order and good fettle and then and, and we can be competitive on the day. Look like you've made an absolutely brilliant decision sending Spacewalk to Melbourne uh, until the protest obviously came through <laughs> and you, you lost on protest, but regardless, that was a... Uh, terrific run. What's yeah. the plan with this guy? Where where, where do we sort of what path is Look, he going to take? He's a he's a obviously very talented colt. Um, we I don't know what we've done to the stewards down in Victoria. We don't seem to get much of rubber the green with them. But um, but you know, with the Cox Plate result last year and 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 yesterday's the yesterday's protest being upheld. Um, but that aside, look, he's a, he's a cult that will go through those straight race court, uh, races uh, at Flemington. We'll go to the Dane Hill next, and and all being well, he, if he you know, does well in the Dane Hill, we'll look to go towards the Coolmore. So, again, a lovely cult. He's a son of Exosphere. He's a big, bold, brute of a horse, and um, and you can see that the way he races. Uh, he just needs to get his race craft in order, and um, then we can start really having a bit of fun with him. And I think if you were on Spacewalk yesterday, when you saw the lateral shot of the, the, the live race, it looked a bit tricky. But then when they showed that head-on shot, uh, I think if, if you are on the second horse, you were starting to feel a lot more confident. Yeah, I, there was... Yeah, once you saw that, as you say, David, when you see the head-on shot, it's like, oh, we're in trouble here. Um, and we knew we were in trouble. Um, the only thing is that you know, there was in our favour, but the stewards didn't take it into account. I'm not being critical, but... Um, but they, you know, Blake sort of eased on the horse with 50 to go and it could have been a length and a half and if it was that length and a half, then, then probably we, we hold the race. Um, instead, it was, it was a long neck uh, and while it, the margin was only a long neck and, it, and that's the margin that it is at the finish, well, you know, it, it's hard to justify. So, um, unfortunate, uh, but, you know, we're, we're very pleased with the Colt and we know we've got a nice horse and we look forward to progressing him through the spring. Just before you go, just two to check off on. Animo right for the George Bain? Yeah, no, uh, all systems go. He had a tick-over trial on Friday. Uh, James McDonald rode him. He was delighted with him. James Cummings and the training team, very happy with him. Uh, so he'll go to the George Main uh, on, on Saturday. And when do we see Paul Ailey? Paul Ailey will go to a Friday night week uh, at Mooney Valley for the... Must be Manukau, or no, or the Moyer, is it? Which one? I can yeah. get them to, the Moyer. two mixed up. Whichever the, the Group One sprint is at uh, at Mooney Valley Friday week. The Moyer. Good on you, Vin. Thanks for your time this morning. Pleasure. No worries at all, boys. Vin Cox representing Godolphin, joining us first up on Past the Post, and I think it's hard to to ignore, or hard to argue the fact, Ben, that those two uh, Godolphin horses winning yesterday, gee, they look really good tops for a, for a Golden Rose. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and it's really sort of reframed, I guess, the Golden Rose market. I had a quick look earlier before we came on air. In secret, four fifty Golden Mile, the Colt, six dollars. Uh, which one do I want to back? Tell you what, the Colt was impressive, impressive wasn't he? Uh, he's come a he long was. way since having his first start uh, in Ballarat earlier in the year, so they've very much got a um, a strong hand. I know um, we will have Tony Gollan on later to talk about, um, or very soon actually, to talk about Baller winning at Flemington. Uh, I thought Natuno was okay um, in the run to the Rose with, without being terrific. Was sort of blocked for a run there at one point. Did get clear air. Um, thought he could have finished a bit closer, but it'd be interesting to get Tony's thoughts on that when we talk to him. Mm. I thought uh, Fireburn's run was quite good as well, um, but we'll We'll talk about that later. One thing I forgot to mention, too, and it's worth pointing out, of course, that Golden Miley's by a stern, and 
Esturb was raced by Godolphin, of course, won the run to the Rose on the Golden Rose back in 2016, so a bit of a link there. Let's move on now to some of the other features at Rose Hill yesterday. We'll go to the Group 2 Scirocco, the last race of the day. Shades of Rose swings in front, still travelling by two on Sky Command. Electric Girl for two, working into the clear. Espiona's getting right to the outside, starting to lengthen, but still five off the lead. Shades of Rose, 200 metres to run, two lengths clear from Electric Girl. Espiona can't get there. It's me with late headway, but Shades of Rose in front from Electric Girl. She's getting tied, Shades of Rose. I think she just held on. It's a photo here, Shades of Rose getting very tired from Electric Girl, but I think she just clung on. Then it's me from uh, further back, Palaza Pan, Espiona Star Toddies for Toos. Uh, then came Sneaky Page, Tycoon Evie and Papali. A go forward horse, Shades of Rose, makes her own luck. Her record is excellent, seven from nine. She's won her past four on the trot, graduating out of the winter racing to the to the early spring, Bjorn Baker trains Rachel King have the right. I suppose the question is, how further do they keep going or, or do they pull up stumps? She just got home yesterday. Yeah, I like her, um, but a lot of the form was through the winner. She's carried it on yesterday. Uh, she was tough, she was brave, um, but the competition's only going to get harder going forward, isn't it? So it'll be interesting to see what they do with her. Um, Palasa Pan for uh, Chris Muntz was, was good, getting obviously a group two. Um, uh, placing there, running third. Electric Girl was good. It's me, uh, who is, I think, the Kosciuszko favourite or very close to it, was good. Espiona, disappointing. Uh, $2.70 favourite. Uh, don't know what they're going to do with her. Um, Star Tontes, I thought, was definitely a pass mark. Uh, settled last. Um, got beaten, you know, just, just a bit over two lengths. So I think she'll have some big fish to fry uh, this spring. Tycoon Evie. Now, the former Queenslander uh, near the tail in her first run for Peter and Paul Snowden. I agree with most of what you said there. I'm not as going to, not going to be as harsh on SB owner as yet. Um, beaten 2.12 officially. Shades of Rose really did dictate it out in front. You look at that time, 1.10.06. The sprint home was 34.43, so uh, a quick run home. So you know, not easy to make ground and be competitive. And I agree with you with Star Toddes because she came out last and... You know, there was no surprise where she ended up in the run. I thought her work late was good to be to be beaten 2.3. But in saying all of that, Palaya Pan, she was good. She just keeps getting under the radar, this was Palaya Pan. She's always at good odds and never runs a bad race. Hugh Bowman Rader, and, and I'm sure Chris Bunce would have been delighted with her performance. Let's go to the Group 2 Theo Marks. Here's the replay. Under the lightweight prime candidate leads for Dylan Gibbons, turning the corner by a length on Big Boy Roy. Mr Mozart, the outside in third. Ellsberg a bit cluttered up between runners. Jamea gets going on the outside. 300 metres to run. Prime candidate's got a good kick in the lead. Jamea's the main pursuer. Prime candidate, two lengths clear from Jamea. Then came Mr Mozart. Kevin Tari late on the scene. Prime candidate just in front from Jamea. Kiku wide out with a big run. Mr Mozart through the centre. Kiku down the outside. Blew them away at the end. Kiku got up to win it from Mr. Mozart through into second and third between Jamea and Prime Candidate Kevin Tari close up. Followed then by a tissue, Rustic Steel, Big Boy Roy, Tycoonist and Colding. And didn't that change complexion late? Kiku producing a very strong finish in the straight to score. She was first up, of course. She raced in our Winter Carnival. She won that Magic Millions Mares Classic and then ran fifth of the Tats Tiara. But first up yesterday and... Uh, a good performance coming from... Well, she was near last at the turn. Yeah, I think she's been hampered a bit throughout her career by barrier draws. I think she's um, you know, she's got back further than she probably has to in some races just because the barriers have worked against her. But Chris Waller holds a decent opinion of her. I think she's uh, got an Epsom uh, nomination. So I don't think she likes it very wet either, this, this girl. So probably... Uh, found the you know the soft conditions in Sydney better than she would have you know in recent months when it's been just bloody heavy. So um, yeah, nice. Uh, you know, certainly turned herself into a valuable mare winning that, hasn't she? Yeah, we've seen a bit of her in Brisbane uh, at, at carnivals over the time, but that was her sixth win yesterday. Yes, the Epsom Path seems the most likely one to take, although they could defer to the, the Golden Pendant in two weeks' time. But it seems as though the Epsom in three weeks is her next mission, Kiku. We talked about Golden Mile. Let's have a listen to him in the Ming Dynasty quality. 
Rise of the Masses, two lengths clear from Zoo Tiger, who pounces on the outside. Basquiat as well. And now Golden Mile winding up on the outside. Basquiat moved up to Zoo Tiger. Golden Mile moved up to the pair. Golden Mile laying it on Basquiat. Got the upper hand though, Golden Mile. And has drawn clear here in the Ming Dynasty. Very strong late. And Golden Mile won it comfortably. Machelato got up for second in front of the tiring Basquiat. Then flag of honour from Conqueror. Zoo Tiger dropped out from Brosnan. Then Williamsburg, Manzois. Magic had a tough runner. And the leader there, Rise of the Masses, weakened out to finish last. Yes, well, we've discussed Golden Mile to some degree with, with Vin Cox. And as Darren said, they're very strong late. He visually, Ben, looked good, um, winning by well, nearly four lengths. Yeah, I um, just visually, I thought he was just as impressive as, as the filly we talked about. Uh, earlier, so look, he's been a bit of a sleeper, hasn't he? I mean, I, I think uh, like in secret, you know, people knew a fair bit about her going into yesterday. Golden Mile, perhaps a little bit more under the radar, but uh, has a lovely sense of timing. Golden Rose, Caulfield Guineas, he could be in his ears up to all that, you know, in those big races for sure. Yeah, and I think the the maybe the extra tick he might get, uh, and this is in no way um, demeaning in secret because she was ultra impressive. But he does tick that 1,400-metre box, the distance of the Golden Rose, which was the distance of the Ming Dynasty yesterday. And he was coming out of a, a first-up run of 1,300. So they went to 1,300 in the up-and-coming first-up, 1,400 yesterday. He was strong to the line. So I think he, he presents a very good case in two weeks' time. And as we said, he's at $6 within secret at $4.50. That were some of the highlights from Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. And, of course, we go back to Royal Randwick next Saturday with the George Main Group 1 being the main feature. Let's turn our attention now to Flemington and we're going to go firstly to a race we've been saying this week after week and with good reason the Queenslanders are, are doing us proud during the spring carnivals whether it's in Sydney or Melbourne and here's another case in point with the Tony Golden trained baller winning the Bobby Lewis quality. The astrologers just in front of Red Can Man as they reach the 300 metres and Rock and Horse is driving through too. The new market winner takes the lead but Baller's coming at it. Baller over on the far side from Rock and Horse. Red Can Man then swats that late. Baller just in front. Rock and Horse is in for the fight. Baller and Rock and Horse, they hit it. Baller. Ball has just beaten Rockin' Horse, I'd say, and then swats that red can man. And behind those horses, Graceful Girl from the astrologer Zutori Rohirin Varanskova. Shooting for gold, Heart Empire Pole and Stage Man never came on. And Chat is at the end of the field. Baller wins the Bobby Lewis, a $23 chance. And racing on what often people think is the wrong side of the track in straight races. But Mark Zara was able to... Just coil him up with cover and then present at the right time and he was strong to the line. Let's have a chat with Tony Gollan. He's our next guest. Tony, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Must give you a great deal of satisfaction, too. I mean, you train a lot of winners. You're a, a long-time Premier trainer. But to to decide on where to go to in the spring, there's a lot of options for these open-class horses. But to decide to go to Melbourne and win that race first up uh, must give you uh, plenty of satisfaction. Yeah, it, look, it does, Dave. He's a very uh, satisfying horse, to be honest, Baller. He's, he's never been smooth sailing for the minute he walked into our stable. If, I guess if he was, we wouldn't be his third trainer. He's been a difficult horse. And I, I always thought in the winter this year, once we finally got him fit, he won the Morton Cup again. I thought his he beaten run thereafter was still very good in the Healy. I always felt that, I spoke to Huey Bowman about it on that day, and I always felt he'd make a really nice straight horse in the spring, and mm. it's just a matter of, of, um, of what targets we'd have, we'd have a go at. And this was our, our sort of first up plan. So, and I've had a beautiful preparation with him. Nothing's gone wrong. He's been perfect. A short break off a, a winter campaign, which we know works so well for the spring every year. And uh, that was that was evident yesterday. What was the blueprint going into it in terms of um, barrier one? Because it, it looked kind of tricky yeah. on paper, didn't it? And I was, I'm assuming that's yeah. probably why he got out to such good odds. What, what were you thinking going yeah. in? Um, when, when, when they drew out on Wednesday, I was thinking, oh, shit, I didn't really want to draw one. Because obviously, you know, you kind of like them, you know, the Queensland horses to get out off the off the far rail, you know, to be honest. And normally in these straight races, the inside's never really where you want to be. And so I, I tried to I tried to be too disappointed. I sort of watched the early races and the two three-year-old races up the straight. So it gives us a little bit of a bearing of how it was going to play. And it, it looked absolutely disastrous, to be honest, as the day went on. And I was probably just very lucky that we were a late race. And by the time we got to the Bobby Lewis, the whole field adamant to get out to the middle of the track. And that probably enabled us then to get the right sort of run. 
you know, had he lived in an early race, like them three-year-old races, and we drew down low and we were stuck on that inside, well, we wouldn't be talking this morning, would we? You mentioned that you're the third trainer of this horse, uh, Baller, of course, he was with Anthony Cummings, then he had a, a short time with Chris Waller. You've had him for a year and a half. You've won three Group 2s. That includes yesterday's, those two Morton Cups and I think the listed gold market. So he's been great for the stable. But you mentioned something before about uh, there's been a few issues. Just take us through what have been the issues with Baller or what are the issues with Baller? He's a lovely big horse. He's a beautiful animal, actually, to deal with and train. He's a beautiful horse, but he's a very big horse. He'd be over 600 kilos and he hasn't got very good feet. So our farrier, Sheldon Vania, does an amazing job with him and Basically, just getting his feet right, keeping him sound, uh, sound as we can, has been the key to him. And I just sort of identified too that I felt that if we kept him to the shorter races, the 1200s, based his campaigns, that that seemed to be how he raced best when he was at his best form previous to us. And it, it's just been a really good formula for us. So basically, keeping his feet right and keeping him to the right trip, and not asking him to go back to the well every fortnight has been the key to him. You beat some bloody good horses yesterday. I mean, the, the runner-up rock and horse, obviously, is a new market winner. Um, do you raise the bar for Baller now? I mean, obviously, you knocked off the Manicato last year with, with Jonker. Do you, I mean, do you look at Group 1 targets for him now in, in, in Melbourne? Or? Yeah, look, I, I, you know, Ben, as well as anyone, when you um, when you get a horse that's really good at the straight, I, I, I was really confident he would be going to the race yesterday. And that, that's what we saw. We've seen him you know, begin, relax and ice, and then and really settle that straight line. I think I don't think I'll take him too far away from Flemington, to be honest. He'll run the, the Gilgoy now in, in three weeks. And then from there, you probably won't see him run again until the, the big sprint at the end of the carnival. And I just hope the Everest horses you know, beat the hell out of each other over the next month and, <laughs> and get there a little bit tired. I know that's not always the case. I mean, Nature Strip has he's really made this race his own in previous years, the big sprint at the end. But, you know, I'd sort of like to get there on pretty fresh legs off his Gilgoy run if I could. It's an interesting point you make, Gilguy Darley. We know Rob Heathcote's adopted a similar path going to Melbourne, Moya Manicato. Uh, the talk is, is always about the Everest, understandably so, and the talk has always been, well, what's going to happen with Melbourne? Will they get the scraps? But I think also a lot of connections, and you know, probably yourself included, saying, well, you know, it's hard to get into the Everest, and if you're in there, it's going to be bloody hard to win, so... Melbourne's a very, very good option. I think a few trainers have thought that way now. Yeah, I think so. I think definitely. I mean, it's a there's massive money on offer for these sprinters. You know, it's in between Sydney and Melbourne. And Manicato this year is worth an absolute fortune as well. And all the big sprints down in Melbourne are worth a lot of money. I mean, they're not Everest money. Mm. There can only be one winner in all those big races. So, you know, you're seeing the sprinters spread out over the two states, and I don't think in any way it's diminishing how strong these races are. Like Ben said before, I mean, we beat a new market winner yesterday, and the third horse was runner up in a cool mark, a cool more in a new market. I think is what's that. So, you know, the format of these races is strong, um, but if we can sort of you know place our horses to our advantage, that that's kind of our job. And I think Melbourne's a really good place for a horse like this. I reckon our listeners, Tony, would be fascinated to hear your thoughts on the tuna yesterday. <laughs> It's pretty hard to watch. <laughs> Straight, to be honest. Um, you know, the, it's the old adage, isn't it? You know, third defence, not really where you want to be anymore in racing. And that was evident yesterday. Um, he, he trucked up beautiful behind Esther Bordeaux. And when we sort of couldn't get out off the corner and, and um, Sam Quibbler's was come around and made his run a touch earlier, it just was always going to be messy. And he's, he's a young colt. He's very, he's very new in his head. He's only a baby. And there, there was a run presented for half a furlong, but it, it wasn't big enough for him. And, he just, he just couldn't drive through it. And he's not that sort of horse yet. He's, he's a young colt that wants a bit of room, a bit of galloping room. And unfortunately, in his two runs in Sydney, we haven't seen that yet. So we haven't seen the best in a tuna in Sydney yet. But look, I'm adamant. Four weeks from the run with console, you'll see him ridden a whole bunch different. And kind of hope we can draw out a bit, to be honest. And, and you'll see how good he is. I, I think he's he's a really top-class colt. And he's as good as any of the three-year-old colts going around at the moment. The Phillies got a bit of an edge yesterday. She was very good, the winner. Um but I don't think we've seen the best in the two now in Sydney yet. That's a very interesting comment you make because I think a lot of people, and I know you'll appreciate this, I think a lot of people have watched a two twice and thought not quite as good as they say. So so what you're telling us this morning, and I appreciate what you say, that we haven't seen the best of him. No, a lot of young colts don't like being you know, jammed up inside horses. And as you saw, David, then when he raced in Brisbane, he, you know, he drew wide every run and he, he cruised over outside horses all led. And, and he was dominant. He could use his action. He could use his overall speed. And both times in Sydney, from tightening at the jump or you know, drawing low yesterday and happy to take a trail. 
we haven't seen use his action or, or get enough room. And he's a young colt that just wants room. A lot of them young colts, when they get over inside horses and they're racing quite tight, their mind is elsewhere. It's not it's not on what they're doing. And you know, I've, I've trained enough colts to know when their when their aptitude is right there. And his wasn't there yesterday. But I think ridden in a different manner, you'll see a different horse. And certainly, no fault of you is yesterday. It's just the way the race panned out. But it was very hard to watch up the straight. Tony, I um, probably can't remember, uh, maybe you can, but I can't remember the start of a spring when so many individual Queensland horses have gone down south in, and won in either Sydney or Melbourne. It's, it's been, well, I suppose Melbourne um, I'm really talking about. It's been a stunning start, really, to the spring for Queensland horses, hasn't it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's great the Queensland trainers are, are, are travelling their horses and you know, Stephen Matt are doing a good job picking them lower-grade races as well and, Obviously, Rob Sauce knocked me off at the Valley last week. So it's, um, it's awesome. I mean, we all know, you know how good that, that winter preparation for your horses, getting them into the spring can be for them. And we see the Southerners do it every year, bring them to Queensland and race well in the winter and then take them down and go well in the spring. It's just fantastic that the Queensland trainers are, are taking up the same formula and, and, um, and taking some of their better sprinters down there and, and picking off, I guess, what you call the lower-hanging fruit, you know, these group, group threes, group twos, your listed races. And, and hopefully as the spring goes on, one of us can get a group one. And just before you go on the local front, good to see the the uh, fairly self-indulgent bounce back to winning form yesterday. Yeah, tongue-tied was a key gear change, wasn't it? You know, she'd been really disappointing her first couple of runs, and I sort of wasn't convinced that she, that she needed to be perfectly honest, but her recovery post-track work in it had been really, really good. Um, she, she never made a noise any of the runs and, and whatnot, so I wasn't sure, but off her work in the last fortnight with her recovery... It looked like it was a key gear change and it worked out perfect yesterday. She was dominant and there's no reason she's not well-placed in Brisbane on Saturday racing at this time of the year. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time, as always. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a great, have a great Sunday. There is Tony Gollan, our Premier Trainer here in Brisbane and preparing baller to win first up. And I'm sure he'd take plenty out of that, Ben, because, you know, you've got to make decisions with these good horses. These races aren't easy to win and where you go is key to to the outcome and... He picked that race. He thought he might be a straight horse, and he's got the job done at Group 2 level. Yeah, I think he started $21, David, as we referenced before. I reckon he starts, you know, if, if the draw's out, uh, probably starts 13 or $14. So the, the punters who stuck solid, and the a man here in the studio, Andrew Brown, might have been one of them, uh, had something on baller yesterday. He's got a big smile on his face, so I'm assuming that's a yes. But if you're stuck solid with him, if you sort of ignored Barrier 1 and thought, you know what, this is just a good horse and he can win this race, you're rewarded, weren't you? Well, here's another horse who drew well down near the inside called I'm Thunderstruck, and he was the favourite in the Group 1 Maccabi Diva. It was a small field, and many have been a little bit disappointed with races like the Fian recently and yesterday with the, with the small numbers, but it delivered in spades in the excitement department. Here's, and this is an outstanding broadcast by Matt Hill. 450 metres to go. Alligator Blood is the first to straighten. Clicks up and kicks away. Two and a half lengths in front of Western Empire. I'm thunderstruck, darting through over on the far side. Then came Mawunga and Cascadian down the outer. Alligator Blood, 150 metres to go. Two lengths in front. I'm thunderstruck, needing to get there. Alligator Blood tiring. I'm thunderstruck over the top. Rumbling hard and got up. Oh, Thunderstruck, I reckon's just beaten Alligator Blood in a beauty. Third in the race, Mawunga, followed by Cascadian and behind them Nonconformist, then Western Empire, Regal Power, and She's Ideal. It's a photo finish. It was a photo finish. It went the way of I'm Thunderstruck, who drove late to beat the leader, Alligator Blood, who looked to have it won, but he probably didn't encounter the this finishing tenacity of I'm Thunderstruck. Mick Price, of course, trains in partnership with Michael Ken Jr. He's with us now. Mick, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. Just taking yourself out of the equation, I know it's a little difficult to do being the trainer of the horse, but, gee, from a, a racing point of view, from a, a spectator's point of view, these are the sort of races we want in racing. This was a thrilling, uh, not, not, not a contest as such, but it was an, an encounter with... With I'm Thunderstruck, Putters thinking, can he get there? Can he get there? And got there right on the line. Yeah, it was a good Matt Hill call, too. He, um, no, he gets the occasion, Matt. I uh, thought it was a great call. And, um, yeah, look, it was very exciting. Uh, we were very excited to win, of course. And uh, he was, you know, you've seen that horse, Alligator Blood. Um, 
he's won some he's won some big races really well, you know. So he's the right horse to beat. Yeah, we were having a, a quick conversation about that last night, weren't we, Mick? You um, you think you beat a pretty good horse yesterday, so the form from this race um, should hopefully stand up going deeper in towards a, the spring into a Cox well, Plate, perhaps. Yeah, well, where we where we are going, I know things change a little bit. Um, I think uh, Mister Brightside and Iron Thunderstruck will meet in the Underwood. Uh, I don't know what they do with Alligator Blood, which way they go there. Um, but that will be an interesting clash because I don't know Mr. Brightside bombed him the other day at Mooney Valley, and uh, you know a lot of respect for that horse. I guess it's going to be which horse gets, you know, going towards the Cox Plate, which horse gets two thousand metres better, and plus uh, I suppose there will be other horses appear for the Cox Plate. But anyway, that's the way we're heading. I'll put you back in the equation now. From watching it from a, a tra- trainer's point of view. It was a f- more than anxious watch of the straight. Firstly, the the traffic issues uh, coming out and going back to the inside, but then of course the the second part of the the the, the story is that last hundred meters. Did you think he'd get there? No, no, I didn't. You know, but when the field came out from the Memsey, I saw Snap Dancer there, and I thought it's Caulfield. She's big, long striding there. It's the only one that's going to go and lead. And it's a, there's a million-dollar races, so you're trying to win them mm. and get your horse to improve, you know, get the balance of that without having them fully screwed down. So Zara is one of those Group 1 jockeys where you sort of got to roll with their flair a bit and roll with their creativity and, you know, I try not to interfere with those gun jockeys. And they come out in the Nemzi and said, oh, you know, a bit, a bit um, uh, not wanting to give him a rub. Uh, in case he gets gets going on me, uh, so I'm going to ride him a bit colder. I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. Um, you know, we we had a different idea yesterday. We were going to make a little bit of use, but D Lane's horse, I think Western Empire. Um, I don't know. It was on heels. It was on heels, and uh, I wasn't racing well. So Zara said I could have kicked up inside it, but. Um, he took the risk. He took a higher risk of coming back again in a small field where the good jockeys don't give you room. Um, you know, I, I saw what he was doing and thought, do you have to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but like I say, you, you, you know, we can't ride them. Um, they, they ride with flair and um, they're bold in their decisions and, you know, he took a risk and um, I just saw him swapping... Behind horses, and I thought, and 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 the, and the one horse that I thought um, would be uh, disappeared and gone, especially once again. I look at the fields on Wednesday. I see Tommy Berry on Alligator Blood, and I said, "Well, you know, she's flown him down to Melbourne for one job, and that is to go straight to the front, um, which he did. It was a rack and stack, uh, disappeared on us." And I thought, well, that's just a brilliant plan, brilliant ride from a brilliant horse, and we're going to run second. So for him to pick up, um, you know, alligator blood, uh, lucky it was Flemington. But uh, I thought it was a uh, pretty brave effort by Thunderstruck, and it was a great effort by alligator blood also. You're impressive young Colt McJackano. Um, does is he a chance of going to Sydney for the Golden Rose? Or, uh, you know, and then the Corfu Guineas? Or where, where are we sort of, what are you sort of thinking with him? He's there. Yep. Um, he ran five evens on Saturday morning at Rose Hill. He's trialling on Tuesday, thousand uh, meter, thousand fifty or something at Randwick. Uh, Huey Bowman's doing me a favour and taking a seat on him there. And I think Huey's, Huey's riding Golden's horse in the Golden Rose that ran third yesterday, third or fourth? No, no Turner. Uh, no Turner. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So he's riding that, and uh, Damien Lane for his grand final grand final day here, where um, hopefully Kyle would win. And D Lane said, "Well, there's the only Mornington meeting, so we'll go and ride him, try and get some rides up there." So D Lane's going to go and ride him there, and the horse will be four weeks between runs, fresh off a trial, which is the way to have him and um, see if he's good enough. The only thing about that is uh, it's not that effective on as the ground gets worse, he probably gets worse, you know. So I don't know. What can you do? Just got to cross fingers. Exactly. Just one more question about I'm Thunderstruck. Uh, from a devil's advocate point of view, 
I'd say he's had one run of 2,000 metres, the Cox Plate distance in the Queen Elizabeth. He was beaten a long way, and I understand it was a, a very heavy track. What do you put that performance down to that day? No good in the heavy. Huey Bowman got beat on him in the Doncaster, rode him super, presented him at the right time, and I think we give, we give a, a good horse, like uh, Mr Brightside, five kilos. Mm. Come back, he said, look, I've ridden this horse on top of the ground, I've ridden him on bad ground, and he said he definitely is a top-of-the-ground horse. So, uh, you know what, I should have just um, not gone to the Queen Elizabeth, but the horse has um, a great constitution, and the Sunday morning after a Doncaster, he looked fantastic. Uh, I definitely made the wrong call by running him. Um, maybe not on top of the ground, but it was a bog hole. It was worse than a 10. So I'm putting a line through that run. Horse has great stamina and capacity, and um, I don't know, we'll find out. Or you'll get a guide in the might and power two weeks before, because he goes Underwood, two weeks might and power, which is the old Caulfield Stakes, into the Cox Plain. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time this morning. No worries. Thank you. Mick Price joining us, and I'm thunderstruck. $15 down to 8 for the Cox Plate, and it is an ideal path, isn't it? Underwood two weeks' time, then two weeks to the Might and Power, and then two weeks to the Cox Plate bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as well that Alligator Blood will be going to the Underwood. So, I mean, Mick threw in uh, his horse on Thunderstruck and Mr Brightside. I think Alligator Blood will be going that way too. Look, there's something about this horse, Alligator Blood. I just think that he makes a great race, an even greater race. I mean, he just, you know, we think back to the Stradbroke and, and even when, you know, he had that thrilling race in his three-year-old season with the Kiwi horse Catalyst and yesterday, there's just something about this horse, Alligator Bloody. He's just a real headline horse. I love him. What a difference a year makes because I'm fairly certain the Underwood last year was, uh, uh, I think, a four-horse field that Zaki was about a dollar thirty in, but this year, we were just, we were just talking about Alligator Blood, but of course, Mr Brightside and, and I'm Thunderstruck being there as well, so it promises to be a a great spectacle. Let's have a listen to a couple of the other black-type features at Flemington yesterday. We'll go to the, the Group 2, Let's Elope for the Mayors, and kiss on all four cheeks. West Australian Mayor was the $3.60 favourite. Around the turn, 500 metres to go. It's Lady of Honour held together by a length and a quarter flying mascot. Then Elusive Express, I am Ben A. Daisies runs up behind them. Cuban Link coming on. Kiss on all four cheeks runs on two. And then Foxy Frieda, Lady of Honour, went for home at the 250. Had a kick in the locker a length and a half. Kiss on all four cheeks yearning down the outside running on. Lady of Honour 100 to go. Kiss on all four cheeks grabbing her. Lady of Honour just in front. Kiss on all four cheeks has got then yearning and kiss on all four cheeks has won it from a photo lady of honor or yearning and behind those horses then was foxy frieda in four from flying mascot daisies glint of hope fortunate kiss elusive express la dragon t i am ben a tokarangi cuban link and steinem she's a very good mare her record tells you that 10 from 23 after yesterday's group two win of course she's uh, multiple black type in West Australia. Dan Morton sent it to Nick Ryan for this spring campaign. And by winning that race, Ben, by winning the late Salobe, if she can win the Empire Row, she earns a million-dollar bonus. Yeah, they're fascinating, these uh, bonuses that the Victorian Spring has produced. Obviously, uh, some of them are designed to keep horses in, in Melbourne rather than going to Sydney. But I think that was uh, Nick Ryan's potentially biggest win as a trainer, you know, mm. for the former jockey. So it was uh, terrific stuff. And uh, Punner's got this race absolutely right. I, I think the tab reported that she accounted for about 30% of the hold on this race, firm from $5 to $3.70. It looked a bit dicey in the run at times, I thought. I thought, wow, she's fair bay back. She's going to have to be good, but she was. Yeah, very good win, back and wide and strongest at the end. Let's go to the... Uh, fourth race of the day. We've been talking about Queenslanders having a good run interstate. Here's another case in point. So the front runner, Scolopini, led three quarters, lightsaber. Surreal image needs an out. And then came Viral. Our playboy tucked away the fence. El Rocco wider. Bermudez four deep in the purple jacket. And then came Media Award Romancer. Pinstripe to the outside. So Scolopini, 350 metres to go. Sprints for home. Two lengths. El Rocco, the first to chase. Then lightsaber, our playboy. Bermudez and Pinstripe starting to wind up. But Scolopini, 150 metres to go. Still two and a half. El Rocco. 
pinstripe. Scolopini's going really strongly, and Scolopini's going to do it all. Blast away to win it by about two lengths to pinstripe Del Rocco, our playboy. Next to finish in the race, Chartres, High Stranger Bermudez from Romance Alight Sabre Media Award. Well back in the field, viral and surreal image. Scolopini, he's eight years of age, but he was fleet of foot there yesterday. And we're going to hit the pause button at this stage for two reasons. We've got to go to a break, but on the other side of the break, we're going to have a look at Doombin. Matt Hoiston is going to be our guest in that segment. We'll talk about Scolopini then. Back in just a moment. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. ArcherParkRacing.com.au, that's the website to go to to find out all of the information on what's happening with Archer Park, who are an operation in very good form. Nine winners already in the first two months of this season. And Bonaparte, speaking of Bonaparte, he's going to go to the Wheatwood. He won the Listed Members' Cup last Saturday. He goes to Toowoomba for the Wheatwood in a couple of weeks' time. Let's listen to a couple of the highlights from Doombin yesterday. We were on an improving track during the day. Punchira, though, was a short price favourite, $2.15 in race six. It's Invinciano, Punchero's closing. Likewise, Tumbler Edge making ground. Tokareki Lab back near on the inside. Invinciano, Punchero running home. Tumbler Edge, Invinciano, Punchero. Tumbler Edge on the outside. Punchero's taken over. Tumbler Edge is out after Punchero. Punchero, Tumbler Edge have hit the line. And Tumbler Edge, Tumbler Edge on the lines. One from Punchero. It's a photo third. Either Invinciano or Tokareki Lad, followed by Jetty. Sir Barnabas couldn't refuse. Welsh Lad. And sailors pulled up at the rear. Well, he claimed the scalp of Go Wanji at Dooman last time out, and he's gone back to back in the city, Tumbler Ridge. Boris Thornton riding for Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted. And Matt's on the line now. Matt, good morning. Morning, David. I know you were at Flemington yesterday, but it was a great day for the uh, for the combination, the O'Day Hoisted combination at Treble at Dooman. And he's doing everything right in a, in a quiet time of year, Tumbler Ridge. Where do we go to now? Yeah, look, uh, we'll probably nearly look to, to give him a little bit of a let-up now. Um, sort of uh, job sort of done. We obviously wanted to try and, you know, target this time of year with him just to give him, you know, a little bit, you know, hopefully a couple of confidence-boosting wins and we're able to achieve that, which was really good. Um, you know, he was able to get a, a nice amount of prize money his last two starts. So we might think about um, giving him a little little let-up now. I think he's best sort of probably like this. Like he's a, he's a um, you know, stallion now. Probably doesn't really need big, long breaks, but likes these sort of races spaced and, and sort of a little bit of a let up so we might do that and try sitting for you know similarly ran a really good race in the recognition uh, last year and probably try and target that uh, you know possibly second up off a, off a bit of a let up. Yeah, congratulations on Scolopini and the Brisbane uh, treble yesterday. I think your training partner Steve O'Day said something fascinating yesterday uh, at Doom and he said look we're coming off a career best season and we have one of the best strike rates in the country but that comes with expectations, a bit like sort of second season syndrome with with, with footy players. You'd had a, quite a few runner-up placings and, and, and whatever, but yesterday uh, it was a fabulous day for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. Look, it, it has been a bit of a frustrating start to the, the season. That's sort of the different channel. Last year we, we had quite a lot of luck, and that's what it comes down to, sort of luck in running, you know, a few little things, barrier draws, et cetera, and everything was sort of clicking and, and been a little bit of a frustrating uh, start with a few, you know, minor placings as you said, but um, you know, was was really good for everything to, to sort of click on the day. And and as sort of Steve mentioned, yeah, that's that's sort of it. You know, it's you sort of expected that 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 run sort of going to continue, but you know, it's probably one of those things. A lot of those horses that did win potentially may have sort of you know reached their mark now. And it's just a matter of you know getting a bit of fresh blood through and and sort of still trying to target the you know right type of races for these horses now and um, you know hopefully try and continue to just sort of build on on off that sort of really good season last last season this decision targeting some of the early spring races with, with your team it's paying dividends richly and we saw it again yesterday with scolopini no surprise either because he was really good in the in the pb lawrence but i was just looking at a few stats of this horse eight years of age he began racing in november 2016 so it will be nearly six years that he's been at the racetrack he's won four listed races but i've got the impression this horse has never gone better yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, he's definitely in, in career career best form, which you know he just got a got a bit of a new lease on life, which you know nothing's really changed. But this trip away really sort of he, he's just such happy horse. He's absolutely thrived down here, and I suppose an older horse sort of used to a routine and sort of being able to to mix it up with him. He's um yeah he's just absolutely thrived. So look, really proud of him. It's a, a big team effort from. 
you know, all the all the team at home and, and obviously really good for um, you know, Jamie Walter and all of all the proven thoroughbreds. They, you know, sort of pay two hundred thousand for him as a yearling and I think he's won a bit over eight hundred thousand now, so he's um you know, well and truly paid that back and, and hopefully um you know, there's still a little bit more fun to go. I reckon this Sir Rupert Clark next Saturday looks a dead set week race outside of I Wish I Win, who looks pretty impressive for, for Peter Moody. Would you be any chance at all? Of, of rolling the dice and having a crack at this race with Scalopini next Saturday? Uh, no, no, he'll be heading home tonight. Um, look, it, it definitely is sort of that temptation of having a having a group one that definitely, as you said, doesn't look like it's going to be overly strong, but just sort of more wanting to, to put the horse's best interest first, I guess. Um, you know, he's had a long campaign through through winter up there and then has sort of travelled down here and had, you know, although races being a bit spaced, has had his three runs and been in work still quite a long time. Just don't think sort of, you know, he's, he's running so well at the moment. You know, he sort of races space. I don't think the backup would be the ideal thing uh, for him. And, look, if the race was at, at Flemington, would probably consider it because, you know, we always thought the big open spaces of, of Flemington would really suit. You know, he's obviously ran well at Caulfield, running second in the Bletching League and, and ran good in the in the PV Lawrence. But he probably was never as comfortable getting around Caulfield. So, uh, not wanting to really sort of bottom him out, especially when we've still got the you know uh, magic millions to be able to come home to. We can come home, have a have a little break, and you know have sort of a two run campaign in our summer uh, leading into magic millions. Shooting for gold was left exposed to the Bobby Lewis. That doesn't help his cause, does it? No, I think we we sort of really just found out yesterday he's definitely not a straight horse. That's the first thing Jamie said when she got off him, just said he's just not a straight horse at all. Obviously, uh, you know, the lack of tempo again, uh, that was going to be the, the um, you know, I suppose, worry. And, and we just wanted to keep him in a nice, comfortable rhythm, sort of uh, left Jamie with a bit of an open book. And, um, you know, you, you, for, she just said he was just looking around the whole way there. He's, he's just such more effective around a bend. So hard that the race was there within that the sort of work into the program so we had to have a throw at the stumps unfortunately hasn't worked but um still been a successful campaign for him anyway and being able to pick up that group three win last start Barry cart really set a few tongues wagging i thought in brisbane yesterday obviously wears the same colors as uncommon james those butcher stripes brothers colors from uh, the, the sort of hail from you know your wife caitlin's you know father and, and all that sort of stuff uh, he's an impressive horse and caitlin was telling me I think there was a million dollar off a knockback, so he's obviously um, got uh, some promise going forward. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we got offered offered nice money for him on the back of winning his first trial, and then uh, obviously which we knocked back, and he was obviously able to win those three in a row and, and beating Tiger Heart or, or now Tiger Legend in in that last race at, at Doom. And um, yeah, look, he just never really come up last preparation. Just weren't happy, hundred percent happy with his trials. We were sort of setting him for the jewel. Obviously, he had a few little niggling issues throughout the prep, but once he sort of Ran sort of below expectation, obviously still in the jewel in a hot race, but we thought he would be able to perform a bit better than that. So we, we decided to just pull pin on him and, and sort of give him a let up knowing he was better than that. So it was really satisfying to see him come back and all prep. His jump out and trial had been really impressive and, uh, you know, good to see him win like that because that's sort of the opinion we had of him early doors, especially while he won those first three starts. He was ultra impressive and just with a bit of time and maturity, he's, he's really improved and, um, yeah, hopefully he can be one that can continue to sort of go through the grades this time of year. I wasn't at Dooman yesterday. I'm in Cairns for the amateurs, but uh, and I haven't seen some of the Dooman races. Uh, was Prince Shalar always going to get the protest of the first race, Matt? Yeah, it was pretty confident. Uh, obviously, the the first pass of post, you don't care, but it was sort of pretty wayward sort of in the straight and definitely think it did sort of take him off his line. Uh, definitely did cost him. So I think the, the right decision was made there. But yeah, look, it was a good good effort from him. He was obviously favourite, but still doing a few things wrong. So it was a good effort for him to sort of miss the kick, get into a bit of an awkward awkward posse and, you know, wasn't able to really sort of work into the race. He kind of had to, had to wait and then sort of change course. So it was a good effort. He's... Um, yeah, he's definitely not the finished product. He's still putting it all together, but he's a um, yeah, you know, nice progressive horse going forward. And with time, we'll keep keep improving. Great day for the stable yesterday. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries, thank you. Matt Hoisted joining us. Let's go to the eighth race of the day. We own a smart one. Was resuming. We hadn't seen him since the summer, but he was the four dollar forty chance in race eight yesterday. 
Fiona Smart won the leader. Second race course road. Tabasan back to third and fourth. Back near the inside is Grey Worm. Working into the clear now is Legal Spree. Wind side. Hull Manhattan. Snow Zones won from the outside. Emerald Kingdom running home. And Mass Destructions right down the outside. Grey Worm the inside. Out wide there is Fiona Smart one. Fiona Smart one. The inside Grey Worm flashing late as Mass Destruction there. The three. Fiona Smart one. Lifts so and wins. Fiona Smart one has scored from Mass Destruction. Grey Worm. Fido fourth, Windside Snow Zone, followed by Vanderpur, Hull Manhattan, Emerald Kingdom, Legal Spree gave us up, followed by Racecourse Road and Tabasan pulled up at the rear. David Van Dyke's always been patient with this horse. We had a smart one, and the facts tell you that the facts and figures. He's a six-year-old. He's only had eleven starts for nine wins, but that was a good win yesterday, Ben, because there was no peace earlier that he wasn't helping his chances by running about on the straight, but he but, but class pulled him through. Yeah, I disagree with you there. I don't think it was a good win. I think it was an outstanding win. Uh, he was challenged the whole way uh, through the race. Uh, he was, um, I think, officially 350 out to 440, but at some point I think it was a, he was a dollar ninety-five. So they just took him on, took him on, took him on. The second place get a mass destruction came from nowhere. Twenty dollars, I think, was offered up about him. Started uh, four dollars eighty. So. Look, um, uh, really fascinating betting race, but clearly, uh, in my view, we own a smart one's best career win. Well, yesterday, of course, was the uh, Cairns Amateur Carnival's second day of racing. It was the Cup Day. We had Ladies' Day on Friday. And the Cup, the $150,000 Great Northern Brewing Company, Cairns Amateur Cup was the feature race. Namazoo was attempting to win the big Far North Queensland Cup's treble and won the Townsville Cup and won the Cairns Cup and was favourite in yesterday's Amateurs Cup. Here's the replay. But at the 400 metres, Lewis January still had four lengths in front. It's a charge of the light brigade after him. Where's Namazoo coming right to the outside? Still with a bit of work to do. In the straight, Lewis January is vulnerable. Don Archangelo getting run up on the inside with fast trade. Namazoo still rallying. Fortified right down the outside. They come down now with 100 metres left to go. It's the pink cup finish coming up. Star status right out wide. Look at star status. Like a shot out of a gun. Swept away and has bolted in. Star status. The easiest of winners. Beat home, fortified Namazoo. He battled on it under the big weight and fourth over the line was possibly Don Archangelo. Then fast train, the beat goes on followed by the head of the You see those colours a lot win up in uh, the far north Queensland and that was the case of course with Tom Headley and his merry band of owners winning the cup with star status. Fred Whelan training and Jason Taylor had the winning ride. Came from a mile back but it was certainly no disadvantage to be uh, on the outside fence, and that's where several of the winners ended up yesterday, but he got the money. Tom had a bit of a slow start Friday. He only won the one race, but he really hit his straps yesterday. He won half the program, quadellering the, the last race of the day, the sprint, which, of course, was won by Love is Blind. But a great two-day carnival, great social carnival as well. Plenty happening off the track and on the track, and congratulations to the club. Ben, we're going to finish a little early this morning because Mike Maxworthy joins us shortly with Andrew Brown, Hong Kong racing resumes today. It begins mid-afternoon and, and Andrew and Mike are going to have a bit of a chat about that. So thanks for your time this morning and I'll wing my way back to Brisbane very shortly. Yeah, looking forward to getting a few reports about uh, you up in Cairns, David. I'm sure I'll get a bit of gossip. Good on you and everyone enjoy their Sunday and if you're back backing in Hong Kong, see if uh, you can listen to the great man Mike Maxworthy and uh, nab a winner or two. A very low profile. Of course, press room tomorrow. Look forward to your company then. Have a good day. Bye-bye.